So I'm on vacation. I was uh, sitting on the beach watching all of the aquatic life here off the South Carolina coast. I've seen dolphins, seal, a variety of sea creatures. Got me to thinking about one of the greatest monster movies ever made, which got me thinking about monster movies. And so here it is, five great monster movies with the eclectic monk. Stick around. If you're like me, you, you like a good monster movie, you know, where the creature is vaguely sympathetic and the action is intense, where the story twists in unexpected ways, where at the end of the day you walk out of the theater feeling relieved and yet a little bit sad and, and connected with the creature, whatever form or flavor it came in. For me, I think the greatest monster movies are those that make you actually feel bad for the monster in some ways. Although, really, the, the greatest monster movie of all doesn't do that. So, in this episode of The Eclectic Monk, I want to talk about five really great monster movies. And the, the first one, we're going way back to 1931. And, of course, that's the year that Frankenstein was released by Universal Studios. Directed by James Wales, started uh, starred Colin Clive, May Clark, and of course Boris Karloff as the monster. And it was based loosely on Mary Shelley's story, although uh, it took some twists and turns that were different. the The narrative, the overall story, was not exactly the book that she wrote. But there was something special about this movie. It was the way it looked, the way it felt. Uh, when it came out in 1931, the the cinematography and the makeup was unlike anything anyone had ever seen. And the story itself uh, centers around Frankenstein, who is actually the scientist. Most people think that the monster's name is Frankenstein. That's not true. The Frankenstein of the story is the scientist, the doctor, who goes grave robbing and animates a corpse that is stitched together from various body parts from different convicted and executed criminals and then he brings it to life and then what happens is this this monster um, starts out very sympathetic you actually like him but he quickly degenerates into something that is evil as he begins killing people because he has no conscience being created not by God, but by man. There's a lot of moral undertones in the story, and uh, the movie was uh, banned in a lot of places, uh, and it was uh, they were forced to edit a lot of scenes out of it because it was uh, anti-religious, anti-God, and uh, you know, the scene where Frankenstein drowns the little girl was edited and lost for a long time. Very dark movie for 1931, pre-code, uh, which means it was before the Hollywood code of conduct and ethics had really began to be enforced. And so it's got a lot of startling things in it. 
But again, at the end of the day, Boris Karloff did such a great job with a non-verbal performance giving a sympathetic characterization to the monster who was the creation of Dr. Frankenstein. It's a great movie. If you've never seen it, if all you know about Frankenstein is what you've heard or the bits and pieces you've seen and clips and cuts, if you've never actually watched the film, watch Frankenstein from 1931. It's a great movie. We're going to skip forward to 1933. RKO Studios releases King Kong. King Kong, the, the king of the monsters, obviously the, the incredible uh, story about uh, the expedition to some remote island somewhere in a nondescript sea where uh, the aboriginals have uh, been worshipping this giant gorilla who lives in this uh, primordial place where dinosaurs still live. I mean, it's the stop-motion special effects in this movie, uh, although primitive, were really stunning. When you go back and watch it, it, it really actually holds up really well. For what it was uh, at the day, it was an amazing cinematic event, and it's been considered one of the greatest horror films of all time. I don't really see Kong as, as horror as much as fantasy and adventure. Uh, the story is said it was uh, been released in 1933. Marion Cooper uh, was the writer and producer and director, along with Ernest Shodzik. And Marion Cooper said he was walking through New York and he heard airplanes flying over the Empire State Building. And he thought, if I put an ape on top of the building and the airplanes shoot him and kill him, then we can show how the modern world is overcoming and defeating the primitive. It was uh, symbolism in his mind. And that's where the whole idea of King Kong came from. Of course, it stars Fay Ray, who we would never have heard of had it not been for King Kong. And today she is uh, iconic because of her screaming, which was real. She really could scream. Uh, also, Robert Armstrong and Bruce Cabot uh, starred in the film. And again, the thing I love about King Kong is that by the end of the film, you feel bad for Kong. He didn't ask to be captured. He didn't ask to be taken to New York. He didn't ask to fall in love with Fay Ray, but he does, obviously. And he certainly didn't ask to be uh, murdered by uh, Army aircraft as he's climbed to the top of the Empire State Building, and yet it was a necessary ending. So uh, the great line at the end, you know, it was, it was beauty that killed the beast, is I think such a, an important sentiment and the movie itself, if you watch it from beginning to end, again, uh, everybody's seen clips of King Kong, but if you actually watch the film, it's a, it's a short run. It's only like 102 minutes long or something. It's a very short film. Uh, but if you watch it, you, you walk away feeling moved by the story. Kong himself is a compelling character in this movie, and you just have to love it. You have to love it. You need to watch it. We're going to fast forward now to 1954. 1954, uh, Universal Studios was the acknowledged king of the monster films. Of course, they had put out Dracula. They had put out The Wolfman. They had put out 
Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, and Frankenstein meets Dracula, and blah, son of Dracula, son of Frankenstein, blah, and on and on and on. But in 1954, they came out with a really interesting movie called The Creature from the Black Lagoon, directed by Jack Arnold, starred Richard Carlson, Julia Adams, and Richard Dunning, all names that mean nothing to me, but I know them as characters in this film. And such an interesting film. It's it's a slow-paced movie. It's actually one of those that uh, you kind of get gripped early on as things begin to unfold. And again, the creature is a sympathetic character, even though he's going to be shot to death in the end of the film. Uh, all along, you realize he was just there living his life in this remote place in the Amazon jungle. And suddenly these adventurers come decide to start looking for him and they they hunt him down he does see you know um julia adams swimming in the water is enamored by her uh you know again the the beauty kills the beast in a way but he's a an intelligent creature this is not just a brute force monster it's an intelligent person an intelligent beast who's living in his own place and is invaded by these outsiders to eventually murder him in the end. You feel bad for the creature. And I think that's one of the things that makes this film, for me, uh, one of the best of the Universal films, uh, along with Frankenstein. You just enjoy the not only the cinematography and the scenery and the costumes and all that. It's all good. The special effects are, are really good in this film. Again, it's 54, so it's a little bit later on. But... The idea of this this sympathetic creature is really important and, and meaningful. And and if you've seen The Shape of Water, you realize that's the like the sequel to Creature from the Black Lagoon. Same creature in that movie, which was uh, really well done and pretty fascinating. Although I only saw it on a tiny screen on an airplane uh, a couple of years ago, but but I enjoyed it. It was it was an interesting interesting take on this classic story of the creature of the Black Lagoon. Well, that's three monsters. I've got two more to share with you. And uh, give me just a couple of minutes to catch my breath and I'll come back and let you know. So here I am still sitting in the sand, sitting in the shade in my little tent next to the ocean. My granddaughter Anya is playing with the seashells and water, and we're talking about monster movies. So far, we've talked about Frankenstein from 1931, King Kong from 1933, Creature from the Black Lagoon from 1954. And again, from 1954, we're going to actually slide out of the United States, go around to Japan, because from Toho Studios, they released Godzilla. Now, if you've ever seen the Godzilla King of the Monsters, the American chopped down version of the movie that, uh, you know, starred um, Raymond Burr as the reporter. That is not the original Godzilla. To see this movie the way it was meant to be seen, you have to watch it in the original Japanese with subtitles. And I know people don't like foreign movies, but this is a good one. I actually saw this movie on the large screen uh, at Emory University one night uh, at a film screening, and it was really, really moving to watch the original version of it. 
When you think about Japan in 1954, nine years earlier, America had dropped atomic bombs on Hiroshima and on Nagasaki. And the whole concept of Godzilla is that there's nuclear testing going on and out of it comes this gigantic beast uh, who comes and and on the land and rampages and kills and then disappears again. It's really very metaphorical uh, as the, the people of Japan were dealing with the repercussions of that nuclear bombs being dropped on them uh, to end World War II. And so it's a struggle in a lot of ways. Uh, Godzilla is, is nuclear warfare. Godzilla is the atomic bomb. Godzilla is the uncontrollable force. Godzilla is the thing that you dread that you can't control. And the movie itself is really well paced. Uh, Godzilla shows up a lot more than you would think, you know, in a lot of the, especially the later films, you know, with Mothra and all those dumb movies. You would have all the, you'd have, you'd see the monster kind of early and then you wouldn't really see him again until the very end and and then, you know, the jets would come and the tanks and they'd finally electrocute or blow them up or gas them or whatever they did to get rid of the monsters. Um, and, and those films are fun. I love all of the monster films, you know, Godzilla versus Megatron and all those things. They were silly. Uh, Godzilla versus King Kong. Dumb movie. The original from, from the 50s or early 60s. Uh, I haven't seen the latest one, but I'm sure it's dumb too. But the original Godzilla... Uh, again, from 1954, the Japanese movie is a really, really stark cautionary tale about what was then the ongoing uh, testing of atomic weaponry and the fear that the Japanese people had of the repercussions of nuclear holocaust. When you think about Japan is the only nation that ever had atomic bombs dropped on them. They kind of had first-hand experience and a perspective on the whole thing that nobody else in the world could possibly have. And again, you're only nine years later. They were still dealing with all the medical issues, the rebuilding issues, and, and the problems of that. The fear was palpable and real for the Japanese people. And uh, that's what makes Godzilla, the original film, such a powerful monster film. Again, Godzilla is a force, and you don't really um, feel sympathy for Godzilla, but you certainly understand the message of the movie. So that links me with what I think is the greatest monster movie of all time. And of course, since I'm sitting next to the ocean, you probably already guessed that I'm talking about 1975. Jaws, released by Universal Studios, directed by Steven Spielberg, written by Peter Benchley, stars Roy Scheider, Richard Dreyfus, and Robert Shaw in the role of a lifetime uh, as uh, Captain Quint. This is a movie that, you know, really probably should not have even been made. I mean, Spielberg was still a relatively uh, new director at the time. Uh, they went way over budget. All of the special effects, I mean, they created Bruce, the gigantic mechanical shark that didn't work. And it's actually been said that the fact that the shark didn't work 
was the best thing that happened to Jaws because rather than seeing a lot of monster, you just have a lot of tension. And Spielberg's uh, editing in this film is just incredible. It, it really um, is one of those movies that even today scares you. The shark, of course, is just a force of nature that comes up and, and it's actually based on a true story. Uh, it was like in the 1920s, there was this shark that swam up this creek up in New Jersey and killed like four or five people. Uh, and it was that event that um, Peter Benchley based the book Jaws on. But I remember when the movie came out, I remember watching it uh, at the movie theater when it was out in 1975 and just being terrified. I mean, you look at it today, of course, the special effects are cheesy. It wasn't the, the greatest thing that was ever done. The monster looks like a mechanical shark. But the acting was phenomenal. Again, the pacing, the editing, the music, unforgettable. And... It really will make you afraid to get in the water. If you watch that movie and you go to the beach, you probably are not going to swim out too far. You're certainly not going to go skinny dipping at night. There's no doubt about that if you've watched Jaws lately. So, again, for me, just one of those movies that that has to be watched. And I think the fascinating thing uh, as you go through this list, you see the development of the monster theme from... Uh, Frankenstein, the the monster created by man, not God, to Jaws, created by God, who eats men. You know, it's a pretty interesting arc in and itself, uh, just the list that I put together. But I love monster movies. Uh, I love movies, and, and old movies especially. So as we keep moving forward, uh, we'll look at some more interesting film history. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Eclectic Monk. And uh, until the next time we meet, be safe out there. There be monsters. Thank you for listening to The Eclectic Monk. Uh, if you enjoy this podcast, I appreciate it if you would like it on whatever uh, site you're listening to. And go ahead and subscribe and review the podcast. That would really help me out. Uh, those of you who are interested in knowing more about uh, me and what's going on in my world, check out TheEclecticMonk.com. And you can get a little bit more insight and see some more content and figure out where we're going with this thing. Uh, and until the next time we gather together, safe travels. God bless.